free kids workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com slash kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confident future doers with its free kids' workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Lost by last, US only. Now, before we start, I just want to say that this is a very special guest, or should I say guests, so get ready for some serious nostalgia. If you like this episode, and I already know that you will, please rate or review it on iTunes and share a link to it on Facebook or Twitter, as all this helps it move up in the charts. And last episode, we were number seven. How exciting is that? Number seven in the charts. I was delighted with that. So enough of the chat. Let's get going. Here's the dreadful theme music. Hello, you are very welcome to a very special Fascinated. Now, first, a bit of a heads up. I know there are some people listening to this in England and America and Australia and lots of other places because you've emailed me and you've tweeted me and thank you very much for that. But I want to apologise firstly to you because you might be a little bit at sea for this one. So if you didn't spend your childhood in Ireland in the 80s and you want to get the full effect of this guest, pause this episode now and listen to it with somebody who did. Because for those people... This tune will spark an explosion of joy in their heart. Bosco was an Irish TV show for children with a small character who lived in a box. Now, I say character because we don't know whether Bosco was a boy or a girl, so you'll notice for the rest of this podcast there'll be a distinct lack of pronouns, hopefully, unless I get it wrong. There were songs and stories and make and do, and some very unsettling twin aliens that did tongue twisters. But we're not going to talk about them because they were creepy. There are some facts that only hardcore Bosco fans will know. Bosco's favourite number was five, the number on Bosco's box. Bosco's favourite colour was green, the colour of Bosco's jumper. Oh my god, have you ever tried to describe somebody without using pronouns? It's so stressful, it's like being back in the closet. As well as Bosco, the show was hosted by two presenters. They would help Bosco sing the songs, do the make and do because Bosco couldn't use the scissors, and eventually they would take us through the magic door. Are you going to come with me through the magic door? Knock, knock, open wide, see what's on the other side. Knock, knock, anymore, come with me through the magic door. And in some episodes, we got to go inside Bosco's box. My God, do you remember those episodes? They were, oh, they were like gold dust. There was even a very special Christmas morning episode, which was enough to make us all drop our selection boxes for a few minutes. Bosco first went on the air on the 4th of June, 1979. Initially voiced by Jonathan Ryan for the pilot series, Miriam Lambert replaced him for the first year. Then Miriam's sister Paula took over for the rest of the series and became the Bosco that we all know and love. This episode has been in the works for a while and I've mentioned it to friends and I've mentioned it on Twitter 
And I'm always surprised at the Bosco fans that come out of the woodwork. In fact, one of my best friends, Alan Daly, we've been friends for a long time. It turns out he was a huge Bosco fan and we've never talked about this. Or his morbid fear at the tongue twisters. I never actually realised that you were a Bosco fan. Yeah, I, I kind of thought everybody was a Bosco fan. I just thought you were, I always thought you were too cold. <laughs> <laughs> they do a tongue twister, so Bosco would do a, like a little rhyme and then the presenter would attempt to do the rhyme. And then they'd hand it over to these evil, two evil little puppets with extending necks. Yeah. And they would do the rhyme and they do it faster and faster and faster until their heads went right up and then... The tongue twisting twins. Yeah. I actually... I had forgot... It was only when you said that they were scary. Oh, they were I'd so scary. They scary looked like they dolls that had melted. I don't know if they were cartoons or claymation, I can't remember. They were proper dark. You know, they were... They were terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. But I'm, o- I'm, I'm over it now. Because <laughs> you watch full episode now. <laughs> Bosco ran for 386 episodes. The last original broadcast was on the 2nd of September 1987. But the episodes were repeated for nine years. Nine years, my God. Until the very last Bosco transmission on the 30th of September 1996. That was 20 years ago. It doesn't feel like it's been gone from TV for so long. Even though Bosco regularly pops up on TV and radio doing interviews and they do live shows around the country. And even to this day, if you hit a broken link on the RT website, you get a picture of Bosco with a sad face. At the time, there was a ton of Bosco merchandise. To this day, I still have a Bosco egg cup. And I vividly remember the excitement of my granny giving me an Easter egg in a Bosco mug. There was also a Bosco album. Now, I was convinced that we had the Bosco album, but my mum assured me that we never did. Now, I have to say, when she told me that two weeks ago, I nearly ranked Childline. But then I had a brainwave and I texted my Aunt Helen. I sent it and thought she would receive it and think, oh, well, Garota's finally flipped. But instead, she texted back straight away. I have it here. I borrowed it and I promised to give it straight back with my aunt passing on a message from my cousin Regina. That's my inheritance. So I've kept it really safe. I took it home and I gave it a listen. And what I didn't remember was this funky reggae version of the Bosco theme. What heathen had this idea? Bosco for me was something that you do your time with. It was a kids TV show. I remember being really annoyed and rolling my eyes that my younger sisters wanted to watch it and saying, It's stupid, I just want to watch Thundercats. Okay, I probably didn't roll my eyes. If the stories are to be believed, it's more likely that I threw an absolute wobbler and smashed something. Anyway, my mother assures me that I absolutely loved it. I'll start again. (laughs) (laughs) Was I a big fan of Bosco? You were, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone at that stage was a big, all the children were big fans of Bosco, yeah. Do you think it was because there was no choice? No, there was a choice. There was play school on as well on the other station, but it was um, the simplicity. Do you think that kids now, do you think that Bosco would be popular with them? Yeah, yeah, I do. The younger children, yeah, definitely up to about three. And do you think yeah. that expectations, of, their expectations have changed at all? Not at that age. It's the parents that put the expectations into the children. Oh, really? <laughs> there you've had your say. <laughs> and how big a fan was I? Like, did I know or was you it just... A, you were a huge fan because you used to go for your nap in the afternoon and you'd be up on the cot and four o'clock, Bosco would come on and you'd hear the music and you'd be up like a light and you'd sit and watch it. That would wake you up. Because my first memory is making the snowman. Yeah, the cotton wool snowman. The cotton wool snowman yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. Oh, we I used to make the stuff that was on it, yeah. Because yeah. I, I also remember we made the car, I think. 
car out of cardboard. And yeah, and you see something simple, with the tires. Pure simple stuff like, and I think his movement and color, that's what would attract the younger child to. Yeah, it was very simple. And uh, did it make parenting easy? Parenting me easy because I'm sure nothing I'll... makes parenting easy. <laughs> and if you want it to be easy, you're barking up the wrong tree. Get a puppy. <laughs> and was that your favourite child? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what you've said before. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> absolutely, still. Am. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. I hadn't thought about Bosco in years and then last December I was asked to go to Castle Martyr for the Christmas special of the Anton Savage show which was going to be broadcast in front of a live audience. When I said I'd do it the producer Neve pulled me aside and said you can't tell anyone but Bosco's going to be there. And I didn't really get it. Everyone was excited except me. I just thought who cares? It's just Bosco. That's nothing special is it? But oh, did I change my tune. On the day, I was introduced to a really nice lady who then sat quietly in the audience with a small lunchbox on her lap. Literally, a legend in a lunchbox. And when the little person from inside that lunchbox appeared... Hello, everybody! Everybody say hello, Bosco! The audience and me turned into children. Grown men clasped their hands and sang along with Bosco. People from the audience queued for a photograph with Bosco on their shoulder. We actually talked to Bosco as Paula ducked out of sight. It was unbelievable. I emailed Paula recently to ask if she would be interested in doing an interview for this show. She said she would and I collected her from Pier Street Station and we went back to my kitchen for a chat. Hi, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we sat down she said I don't think I've ever done an interview as myself so this is probably a first so prepare yourself for a trip down memory lane to a time before heartache and disappointment and rising rents and mortgages to a time when all that mattered was whether it would be Gregory Gronjog or the Max Buds or would we have an empty washing up liquid bottle to make the rocket that they made for Bosco and what was behind the magic door In 2016, after like after all this time, are we still nearly obsessed with Bosco? Um, that's a hard one. I think that he's just a little character that everybody can identify with. Like the kids today, like that don't know him from the telly, love him when they meet him. I think it's because he's just like a five-year-old. He's like a real kind of person. It's just, or he is a real person. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's so funny because the, the first time I actually saw Bosco in the flesh, in the in the wood, was the Anton Savage show at Christmas there down in uh, in Cork. And when he appeared, the audience just immediately became like kids again. We laughed and we sang and we ate some mince pies, but sadly we now need to say our goodbyes. Aww. I know. Yeah. And do you, do you just get that reaction wherever you go? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like sort of sometimes on my shows when the adults are bringing the kids into the show, they always go like, "We really want you to meet our little puppet," you know. So it's 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 a, a big thing. And uh, when Bosco was on the toilet late as well, there was that thing that it was a surprise for the audience, but they go mad. So everywhere he goes, yeah, he does get that reaction from adults. And it's always, I always think it's very nice because I saw the way it worked with you on that day and I, I also saw the way Dustin works is that there's always a, 
clandestine way of getting the puppeteer onto the stage without people realising that. I remember on the panel it was the they pretended the lights went down and everyone walked on the stage to look at the lights and then your man slipped onto the desk and the same you kind of just slipped out of uh, nowhere slipped out of view yeah. uh, of the audience is that important to the puppeteer? Oh very important it, it would absolutely shatter the the, the image if they were ever to see the puppeteer. You've obviously got, you've a big background in puppets um, puppeteer because you're from the, from the Lambert uh, puppetry dynasty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so when so when did you first pick up a puppet? Uh, gosh, I, um, I'd say about from birth nearly because because like sort of we were all born in Finglas. Oh, right. And, uh, Same here. Sycamore Road, actually quite near. Sycamore Road, Sycamore wow. Road, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and there were 10 of us. So uh, my dad was a refrigeration engineer by day and uh, a ventriloquist by night. But as the years went on, he got more and more into puppets. And then he he did a lot of puppet shows in the early days of RTE. The, the first one that I was involved in, I'd say I was six. There's a photograph actually in the museum in the puppet theatre that I'm six up on a rostrum working marionettes. So I think all my earliest memories are always of puppets. Wow. And what what was your first, what was the first show, the, the first RTE one? Or what, I think time? the very first one was called uh, Kjarta Hoodie. Okay. And then the second one was Murphy Agus Accordia. That ran for a good few years. They were all marionettes. Because at that time, there was no tradition or there were no puppets. My father really was the first puppeteer like sort of that that we know of in in Ireland I think the only thing that we ever saw were like um like sort of from the home of puppetry like Poland and Czechoslovakia Eastern Europeans and Russians were that's kind of the home of puppetry where it comes from so there used to be little animations like that but that was kind of stop motion but um there was married that daddy started with marionettes and then uh went into Wanderley Wagon, of course, and then Judge was a, a ventriloquist doll, really. And then Crow and Foxy and all the other oh characters God, were I all glove puppets, like. I watched some YouTube clips of Wanderley Wagon this morning. My God, it brings back so many memories. It was just, it was amazing. And I think Wanderley Wagon was the one, but that was the one with Sneaky Snake, wasn't it? Sneaky Snake and Frank Kelly. Oh yes, of course. Frank Kelly was Dr. Astro and Frank Kelly also did the voice of Sneaky Snake. Oh yeah. The sneaky snake was terrifying. Terrifying. It was. It was so, like it was so dark and creepy. I think you know, kids television now. It's so bloody, whitewashed. You know. Yeah. But sneaky snake was genuinely terrifying, and that kind of awe and that used to. Doctor Astro was evil. Yeah, he absolutely was. <laughs> and there were other characters. There was a the Whirligig Witch. She was really. Yes. She was really evil. There was a lot of. Dark she was characters. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the, who was the actress that played the Whirligig Witch? I was trying to think. About well, you see that the what happened after Wanderley Wagon finished, um, it developed into another program called Forty Coats. Okay, that's where I remember the Whirligig Witch yeah. from. Oh my god! And that was Laurie Morton okay. that played that, and I played Spooky the cat. Oh. In, I was her cat in that, and I was the squirrels in Wanderley Wagon. Oh wow! So kind of yeah. A lot of puppets. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of puppets. And when, um, when you first started saying Wanderley Wagon, um, did your did your dad develop that, or was that did somebody write it, or what? Was um, it? no, it was very much a team. There was there was uh, the the original director was an American man called Don Lennox, and then it was written by a man called John O'Donovan, and then the music was by Jim Doherty. 
that music is amazing. Yeah, I, it's amazing. Because if you said to me yesterday, well, like, what was the music of Wonder the Wagon? I wouldn't have a clue. But the second I heard the first beat of it, I remember the one. But I remember the very first showing of Wanderly Wagon is they, they brought loads of kids and obviously us because we were kids in to see the, the, the very first episode in RT, which was in black and white. It was oh, before yeah. colour. And I remember thinking then, like as a little kid, that's amazing. Like this is amazing. So, yeah, so it was it was it ran for a long time. I think it ran for 15 years or something. And what, what age were you when you were just started the to play, you know, the in, Spook of the Cafe? And, uh, I would have been in my early 20s then. OK. And so when did Bosco come about? So Bosco started in uh, what, the late 70s. I'm really... I think, yeah, do you know the way some people are really good at dates and they know everything they oh, were yeah, doing every year and everything? I'm no good at that. So it's, yeah, but I think it was kind of big in the 80s. Like. Yeah, I did some research this morning. It was saying, and Jonathan Ryan, yeah. he was the original Bosco puppeteer for the pilot. That's, that's the, right. The way it worked. And so Bosco had, was kind of a doll that they picked up and they played with. So he had no character. Okay. So then after that, my sister did the, the first series of Bosco. And then she went to live in Holland. So then I got my break. So, and I kind of really embraced it because I love kids. Yeah. So I so I was a really well suited job to me because I loved that age group and 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 had small kids at that time myself because I had my first child when I was eighteen. So okay. So it was so I kind of really understood that kind of age group. And when Bosco started, what way would it work? Would you make a batch of them together? Or would you go in each day or? Well, in the beginning. We they were always made during the summer when everything was off the air. There was a few summers where there was like history repeating itself now, where there were a few general elections. So we'd oh, always right. be we'd <laughs> always be kicked out for the others to come in. But it was very much like used in the very beginning. And the the children's the head of children's programs then was a man called Joe O'Donnell, and he really really believed in children's programs. But he was on an uphill battle because most people that worked on children's p- programs at that time looked at it as a demotion. They didn't look at it as a career boosting thing. So children's programs were really looked down on. And um, so there was a lot of it, a lot of the training courses, the directors that were trained in RTE would do, have their first run on on Bosco and things. So it had an awful lot of people in the beginning. So then when Joe uh, left Bosco, um, Michael Monaghan came on and he was the director and then he took a completely different um, like it used to be shot out of sequence and everything but Mike tried to do it all in one like so that it flowed so about 200-250 programmes were made like just on a run like that so we what we'd do is we'd start and we'd go as far as we could you know or hit chroma key for the magic door or something like that and stop but it actually really improved it because there was a lovely flow to it then. The idea of Bosco stopping and starting, I can't even imagine it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> because you just, it was just this one thing. And you would film it for all the summer and then would it go out all over the year for the whole year? or? Yeah, it went out over the year and that it, it was repeated an awful lot. Like there's the, the plan from the beginning was to make 365 programmes, one for every day of the year. 
so that was achieved. A lot, they lost a lot of the early ones that weren't very good. But yeah, so then it was repeated for years and years after that. When did we first go inside Bosco's box? Because that was, they were the special episodes. Yeah, that's <laughs> without a doubt everybody's favourite thing when they managed to see inside his box. It was, I, I, remember, I remember one time switching on the television just as they they came away from being in Bosco's box. And I I think it was the first time in my life I was ever devastated. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that everybody remembers oh, that. It's amazing. Yeah, like that, they were lovely intimate moments because he was just by himself and he'd just paint a picture or sing a song or say what his thoughts were. So that, without any presenters or anything, it was just him by himself, his own private space that everybody needs. Exactly, exactly. And what, what were they like to film? Was it just too... It, it was quite hard for me in, in the beginning because it was like I'd be sitting on a chair under the set working to pop it up like that. So when we were filming and I was in the box, nobody could see me. Okay. So then suddenly I'm on view to the crew just like. Oh, So I found right. that difficult in the beginning. But um, then you just forget, you know, the way when you're acting, you just forget and you just get on with it. Would they would they be done quickly or did you, would you have to keep redoing them? Or? Uh, no, they'd be done very quickly, usually just in one take. Oh, wow. Yeah. God. Yeah. And did you even think that when you were filming this stuff that so many years later, it, people would just be still no, so fascinated by it? I really didn't. I, I, I really didn't. I was, as so many of us were... In those days, just delighted to have a job and a job that I loved. So because there weren't very many jobs around like so, I mean, I always had puppet theatre to fall back on because I always had a touring company. So so Bosco just kind of helped that like. But no, I I really didn't think that he'd be so loved today. So it started late 70s and then it it kind of really came up in the 80s. Yeah. when all the merchandise stuff happened, because I remember I had a Bosco Easter egg yeah. uh, and a cup and uh, I think there was an album as well. This is where I live, the album. That's right, yeah. Yeah. What other stuff was there? There were loads of stuff, but we didn't get any money for that now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Be, yeah. That was in the, I think, kind of zig and zag, kind of revolutionised that, that they owned their own copyright. They were the first ones to, to break into that. After Star Wars, I think, was the first big merchandising thing okay. for kids. But we got nothing for that. Like, Oh, God. Um, I remember the album uh, outsold you two that year. So I remember I made enough money out of that to buy my kids bunk beds. And that's it. Bosco's album bought bunk beds. Yeah. My so God. somebody else made all the money out of it. I, I even think... I'm not too sure of the facts of that, but nobody, <laughs> nobody got paid. Nobody made a lot of money out of that. But um, yeah, and so I think every, I'm sure every home in Ireland had a copy of This Is Where I Live. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't realize that at the time, like that it was that. Yeah. That that big, but. Wow. And who came up with the puppet? Um, it was originally designed in RTE by Molly Malloy. Um, I don't know if Molly's still there. But there was a lot of people were working on the programme at that time. Like there was a graphic artist that was really into it called Jan Mitchell. There was Molly um, and Joe, because it was Joe O'Donnell's baby. Like it was his, he he has compared himself to 
uh, creating the Frankenstein monster because <laughs> he's done an awful lot of things in his life but he's always remembered it always comes up first like yeah. he's, he's written so many short stories and plays and won prizes but the thing that always comes up is Bosco he's Bosco wow children today who probably wouldn't have seen the episodes and stuff like that hey, like when you do live shows what's that like it's amazing because um, I really I I I do a lot of fairy tales but I always open the show first but that Bosco does like sort of a set piece for about a half an hour and it's very much participation with the kids and uh, it's it's great fun it goes down a storm like he's such a lovely character that he like and he's uh, like there's frightening things that they're not really frightening there's a crow that steals Bosco's things and the kids help Bosco get all his things back and they all live happily ever after in the end but uh, no it gets great reaction because obviously like, the parents are uh, probably more into Bosco than yeah. the kids because they're like oh my god it's him yeah. <laughs> and um, so tell me uh, like this, this is real inside track stuff now is Bosco a boy or a girl? he's equal equal he's androgynous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That we never made him a boy or a girl because we wanted him to appeal to everybody. It's like we never had mammies or daddies. We always had grown ups. Oh, it was always okay, yeah. it was always not to kind of make you know that all kids were equal, no matter whether they were boys or girls, had parents or not parents or whatever. Okay. So that was kind of the the the, the thinking behind that at the time. And did um, when you look back now, because you know when you look back on something that. So from from years ago, is there anything that you cringe about, or like, what are your favorite bits? To be honest, there isn't anything that I cringe about. To be honest, like, um, no, but God, what are my favorite bits? Inside Bosco's house, definitely my favorite bits. I loved. There was one presenter in the early days who who died awfully young called Philip Tyler, that I absolutely loved working with. He would he had. A complete natural thing with Bosco like when we do the stories like he'd always cuddle in he'd always yeah. cuddle in and you'd feel this there was a great warmth and reality about it it was very genuine like it and yeah he, he had a lovely lovely way with with Bosco so I kind of really missed him yeah when he died like um there was nobody to he was kind of irreplaceable and he was a, a a huge lover of children. I think he was one of the the founding members of Team Theatre Company oh, for okay. Children as well. Oh, right. But yeah, no, he was great. Because they were magic moments. Some of the presenters that you remember have such... They either had it or they didn't have it. Yeah, I think so. And you, you, sometimes you just hear, even we were talking earlier about Marion Richardson, that yeah. you hear her voice on a report and immediately... Like within a couple of words, like that's Marion. You yeah. just know her, like, because she had, the, there was kind of that warmth, and her voice is quite unique as yeah. well. There's something very. And very Irish as well, yes. which I think that was another thing that was really nice about Bosco, that it was so Irish. And, and now, like, sort of everything is so American. Like, kids talk in American accents now. Yeah. I actually, my niece, uh, we sat down there a couple of weeks ago and we put on this Barbie cartoon that she watches sweet mother of god <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life yes um, and was there ever an attempt to like bring Bosco abroad or anything like that were other countries ever interested no because as I say like they that never happened at that time maybe it was because RT was so young but that kind of zig and zag kind of were the beginning of that 
like we can say that we paved the way for them. <laughs> yeah, because it it's Absolutely. actually very funny in the connection with Zick and Zag is that I have a brother that taught them in Dunleary School of Art. Really? Yeah, who helped them get that together in the very early days. Wow. So it's kind of, yeah, funny thing. And Zig and Zag, they're coming back as animation. Yeah. I think it, it, it was, there ever, ever any time? There was, that there was an animation uh, made of Bosco at, at one time. And um, I really didn't like it. Did you voice it? I did voice it, yeah. Okay. I just really, uh, I don't know, I just felt that he is the little puppet that he is. Yeah. And he was different. He was, he, he was chubbier and... He just wasn't. He just wasn't the same. Yeah. Because you know? I remember there was a time you could buy a Bosco puppet. There was actually. Yeah. My son rang me the other day and he said, "Mum, look on eBay. There's one original wooden-headed one for nine hundred euro on eBay." Oh my god! Isn't that amazing? Nine hundred euro. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's one thing putting it up; it's another thing getting it's the getting money. The, yeah, <laughs> but I can't. I wonder that they get it. Oh, I have to look. You have to yeah. look. Yeah. And. God. And did you did you stockpile Bosco puppets? Wait. No, not at all. I by nature I give everything away. Okay. So, so I believe Bosco. like sort of that that like sort of the toys are to be played with. I'm not one of those. I'm sorry. I regret that actually that I didn't keep some of them. But but like I'd have to buy them like everybody else. I wouldn't get kind of freebies. Oh God. And do, so do you have more than one? Like if Bosco goes missing, God forbid. Well, um. <laughs> I I have the original Bosco, yeah. It's still the original one. Yeah, but that is that's important, like about Philip, because he was, inc- I can't put that across enough, like that he was so special because he had, he was yeah. so good at it, and he had this lovely warmth that, like you know, when you're performing with somebody and you get that, you know, that yeah. magic, that absolute yeah. magic. It's just that so he was yeah, great. Just, it snaps together like it's amazing. When that yeah. Happens. And it's um, awful when it doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's awful uh, yeah, it's when, when, when there's no chemistry. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. You can't invent it either. No. You know, you can't it's even... Either it's either there or it's not. there or it's not. Yeah. And I do, rem- I do remember, Philip, it, it, yeah, it was the way you used to even turn in yeah. or something. Like, yeah, it was lovely. God, the story time. Yeah, because that was the thing about Bosco was, depending on who was doing the story, sometimes it was great and sometimes you're just like, I don't want Real to boring. Bosco again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was just... it could go on too long or something. Yes, yeah. But with him, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Because he really told Bosco the story. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Um, and who, how many presenters were there? It kind of, um, at one stage there was so many, but they all like did one or two programmes. And um, then it kind of stuck to uh, Mary Garriock, Grania Nivachu and Marion Richardson were the three girls. And then there was Philip before he died, Frank Toomey. Oh, yeah. Um, God, who's the other one? Wasn't there David? He was in the very beginning. I actually only made a couple of programmes with him now, oh, David, okay. David Byrne, in the early days. Um, Jonathan Ryan it was yeah but they all just did a few and then they kind of whittled it down to and have there ever been any overtures of it ever coming back not really no no I think that's such a shame TV3 made a documentary on children's programmes and they actually called it Bring Back Bosco but it really was nothing about that at all like I actually don't know what they were trying to get at yeah after what (laughs) 
<laughs> I really don't know what they were what they were trying to do, because I think there is an opportunity there to make a, a, a documentary on children's programs, um, because it's just been such a journey from the beginning of television to now. Yeah. And then let people d- decide, like, sort of whether it's better now with, you know, with apps and everything that they have for kids now and what it used to be like. Maybe the time for watching television was shorter, but I think it was more identifiably Irish then. Yeah, and I think that's very important. Yeah. You know, I I don't think we have anything like that for children now. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't watch it that much. I think that the main thing kind of now is uh, Dora the Explorer and Peppa Pig and things like that. Yeah, and and that's because, you know, every child that wants something for their birthday it's 40 bloody quid for something with yeah. a pig on it. Yeah, that, that kind of... But yeah, I think there is an opportunity for something just uniquely Irish. Yeah. I don't know whether it will ever happen again because they've never, since 40 Coats, I don't think they've ever done a children's drama. Yeah, that's very unusual, isn't it? Especially when there's so many actors. Yeah. And like you said, things like teen and stuff like that. Because I have friends who are teachers and that they're always just plays and stuff going in and to schools and even comedians going into schools with clean yeah. stuff and you gotta go surely kids should have that on telly as well yeah no, I think it's a really interesting thing for somebody to do and to look back and there were very passionate people in the early days even though there was that thing that you were looked down on if you if you worked on children's programmes but as you know I don't I never got that because when they when they stopped doing programs like Wanderly Wagon or Bosco, they went on to things like Primetime or Today, Tonight, as it was called, which is three cameras pointing at presenters. And there's nothing artistic. Whereas the only the only thing were those shows that were kind of artistic and creative. And, and they were the programs that introduced chroma key and all of that new technology yeah. right back in those early days. The- I don't think that's changed much. Chroma key and all that since that time. And chroma key is that the that's the kind of magic door stuff. Isn't yeah, it? the blue kind oh, of screen. Green. Oh, okay. So you'd go in, in into film or when Spooky used to fly on the back of the broomstick or when Wanderly Wagon went under the sea or up in the air, they were all that they were all pioneers like sort of of that technology at the time. So it was really interesting. Take forever. Really to do those. Yeah. Because you'd be dressed like sort of, they used a blue screen. I think more now they use green, but in those days they used to use blue. So you'd be all dressed in blue with blue hood over your head, blue gloves, blue everything. And you'd be sitting on a blue rostrum like for hours while they got the lighting and everything. Just right. And just right. Just wave the puppet. Yeah, and, and then. Wow. Manipulate. Manipulate. <laughs> <laughs> and all of those, you know, those things like the Max Buds. And um, the tongue twisters and where did they come from? Uh, well, Michael Monaghan wrote all the tongue twisters and a good lot of the poems, and like that was the really nice thing because every episode there were there were a good few writers on Bosco, like sort of it, it gave a lot of people a start, and um, and they all like yeah, they had to have a team for the program, say it be the wind or camping or whatever, and then they'd have to write a story and a poem. And then Mike did the tongue twisters, but like it was all and a song and every week it was a different song with different music. And we went in to a recording studio and recorded those songs in batches. Oh, God. Like we do about <laughs> six or seven at a time. Like. That must have been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> My it was God. good fun, though. It was yeah. good fun. 
And um, so do you, do you look at them as the like the halcyon days? Well, I kind of like I really love what I do now. I love touring and um, because and I love a live audience because yeah. because it, it's so good. Like it's such a good feeling. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't like I don't know what television is like anymore. Like I know certainly like I've gone in to do a few things in RT and it's a completely different place. When we made all those programmes, it was like a family and everybody was in the same boat. And now kind of it's all production companies. So they use RTE crews and it just is not the same. It's like they rent RTE out. So everybody's heart isn't in it. We used to have this thing like that everybody's heart was totally in it. And even if it went over time that a programme wasn't finished, there'd be no fuss about that. Everybody would stay and and wait until it was finished and there was a great sense of achievement and everything but I think that's kind of gone now yeah you know, it's, it's not a and yeah and it's a job and you work till your lunch and you work you know but it used to be flexible and if the if the crew uh, got on particularly well with the director it was even better you know there was kind of a twinkle in everybody's eye on Bosco yeah I think they were great yeah. days they were now I have to say when the interview was over, I thought it might be nice to get a line or two from Bosco just to drop in. But Paula suggested that I interview Bosco because Bosco had come along. Now, at this point, I started to panic. Uh, should I, what question should I ask Bosco or what would you? What would you ask him if you were five? If I was five, oh my God, I would ask him where... It might as well have been Barack Obama sitting on my kitchen table. My hands got sweaty and my brain <laughs> went blank. I started to panic. But with unwavering eye contact, I had a chat with Bosco. Okay, now... Hi! Hello! I'm happy to be here in your kitchen. It's lovely. I am... Well, you're very welcome, Bosco. And I can smell the coffee. I don't drink coffee. I I drink milk. Yeah, well, I'll get you a big glass of milk. Okay, thank you. And it's so so nice of you to come here. Uh, So tell me, what was it like to live in a box? still live in my box it's lovely and cozy and i have a little bed that i snuggle down in and i have a little pillow and i have all my toys and all my books and all my jigsaws and i love it and it's cozy and warm what was it like to be on the television for all of those years well i didn't really know that i was on the television all those years i was just there playing with my friends and sometimes i let them come and see inside my box as well well, I have to say, I loved uh, I loved joining in playing with you and watching you in your box. And I could always talk to all the boys and girls about uh, painting, because I love painting, and butterflies, and, and books, and I had a little globe of the world, and I could look at all the faraway places that I wanted to go to. And tell me, did they ever let you go through the magic door? Every time they went through the magic door, I was at the zoo. And what was your favourite animal in the zoo? Um, I love monkeys. I There were little monkeys called marmosets and one of them even gave me a kiss. Really? Yeah, it was so good. But I love going to the zoo. And uh, do you have any animals that you're afraid of? Well, one day we were... We were with this big black cat called a Black Panther and I was a bit scared of him, I have to say. But he would have been terrifying, would he? Yeah, he had. He was black and he had green eyes and he had big white teeth. Oh my 
God. But you stayed there anyway. You didn't run away. Yeah, I was a bit scared. No, I stayed there. He stayed in the cage, thank goodness. Oh, you're very brave, Bosco. I don't think I could have done that. Once I went into the cage with wolves. With wolves? Yeah. Oh, my God. But they gave them food, so they didn't want to eat me. Oh, my... That, um, did, what, what did they feed them? Um, they fed them big red meat. Oh, my God. And bones. It was smelly. Oh, my goodness. And tell me, Bosco, um, what was it like when you had your record out? I had your record. Oh, I love that record. There were loads of songs on it, like, This is where I live. And just look at me, I'm painting. Oh, there were loads I of lovely love songs. Painting song. Actually, when I was painting my apartment, I was singing the painting song. <laughs> it's a good song to sing. It makes the painting go quicker, doesn't it? It does indeed, yeah. I'm not sure though, the people that were with me, they were probably a little bit annoyed because they got sick of the painting song. <laughs> I'd say they did. They think you were a bit of a nutter. <laughs> um, well, when you were working with the presenters, who was your favourite presenter? Did you have a favourite or can you say? I know. I loved them all. But I loved Marion and I loved Philip. And I loved them all. You can't really pick one because you might hurt their feelings. True. And you're a very good boy, Bosco. Or you're a very good... I, you're a very good Bosco. I'm a good Bosco. Yeah, you're brilliant. And tell me, uh, what's your favourite bit about the live shows? Because you do live shows all around the country now, don't you? I do. My favourite bit is when all the boys and girls talk back to me and help me get out of the messes that I get into. We have great fun. Oh, wow. Where's your favourite county? Do you have a favourite place to perform or do you like all of Ireland? Just I love all of Ireland, but I love Cork. I go to Cork quite a lot. Once I went to photo for a whole summer and I was doing shows in photo and I had great fun, but I love going to Cork. Oh, wow. Yeah, Cork is great. But I love it? going everywhere. Yeah, but that's that's you're very enthusiastic. You're very enthusiastic, Bosco. I am. Yeah, you are. I you're like travelling in a big van, looking out the van. window. Do they let you look out the window? Yeah, and sometimes I can see little lambs in the field and the clouds. I love looking at clouds. Looking at clouds. What do you like about clouds? I like that if you look up at the clouds, you can see things like dinosaurs and lions and tigers. Do you ever do that? I do sometimes. sometimes. I like that. When I'm on the train, I just sometimes look out the window. And sometimes it's just like a big mist. Because yeah. you know the way in Ireland, we just have this big grey mist across the front. I love going on the train as well. Really? And tell me, do they do they buy you chocolate when you're on the train? Only on Fridays. Ah, you're a very good boy, Bosco. I'm, I'm not a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep forgetting that forgetting Bosco it's terrible I forget you're androgynous it's okay it's okay it's okay and I have to say I'm very nervous interviewing you you're not I don't be nervous interviewing me sure I'm just normal ah you're a great boy though and you call me a boy again <laughs> this is worse than the interview I did with the Nolan sisters <laughs> did you do one with them I did I interviewed a Nolan sister recently but I think she was in a hurry Oh dear. Well, you can make loads of mistakes with me because I'm not in a hurry. Oh, you're great. You're brilliant. And um, so tell me, uh, do you think, do you ever watch uh, television these days? Do you ever watch children's television these days? 
Um, sometimes. And do you have a favourite one? Um, what would be my favourite now? That's a hard question. Do you um, like Dora the Explorer, maybe? Or CSI? CSI, don't watch that. Do you know what I really love the best? The Cube. The Cube? Yeah, because it's like a big box. The big puzzle that you go into. Yeah, and, and, and it's so exciting, isn't it? You should do the Cube, because you've lived in the box for years. You probably know your way around. Yeah, it's only four corners. <laughs> is it hard to decorate a box? Is, it, is your box still the same uh, today as it was when we used to see it on telly? It, well, you know, everything changes a little bit. Maybe I've moved things around. and But it's, yeah, really the same. You can't really change a square. True. That's so true. So it's still you know the what? same. Sometimes it's nice to have things the same. Yeah. It kind of makes you feel safe, doesn't it? It does. Painting, painting, painting. I have a brush in my hand and I'm painting away. The colours are bright and also gay. I'm painting, painting, painting. Oh my God, I'm a wreck after all that. That was Paula Lambert and of course, Bosco. Both of them are very busy, they're still on the road and they do live shows all over the country giving a new generation of children that warm, cosy feeling that their parents got a long time ago. If you want more info on Bosco, you can follow Bosco's Box on Facebook or Twitter and you'll get information on the live shows. If you like this episode, please like it and share it and leave a nice review on iTunes. This is a Headstuff Podcast Network podcast and if you would like to support Headstuff Podcast Network, please do that on patreon.com. The link is up in the blurb. If you like this episode, you might also like the episode Gobstopper, which is with ventriloquist Nina Conti. Also, one of our more recent guests, Marcel Detroit, has a new single out. It's called Drag Queen. It's out a couple of weeks at this stage, but we haven't had an episode. But it's really brilliant. And it's from her most recent album, Grey Matters, and it's on iTunes and all the usual places. Thanks again to Bosco and Paula, my mom. My Auntie Helen, my cousin Regina, I'll drop it back this weekend, I swear to God. Alan Daly, Alan Bennett and Neve Hassel from the Anton Savage Show on Today FM. Fascinated at headstuff.org if you want to get in touch and you can find me on Twitter at Garoad Farrelly. Thanks for listening. There'll be another episode soon, so stay subscribed. We don't know whether he was a boy or a girl, so hence the overuse of his name. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confidence Future Doers with its free kids workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Lost by last, US only.